Back Baseball fans, episode 19, rounding third, the baseball podcast. We are officially two weeks out from opening day. Max, roll the intro. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Eastern part of the country. Uh, on Tuesday, we covered the American League East. Uh, we are covering the National League East now. Another super heavy hitting division. Um, lots to unpack here. Uh, lots of different directions that this division could go this year. You want to take us away with that? Yeah, the, the, definitely. There's a lot to unpack here. So the NL East. Um, Winners of two of the last three World Series champions uh, with the Nationals in 2019 and the Braves last year. So we're looking at the Atlanta Braves, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, Miami Marlins, and the Washington Nationals. Um, Lots to discuss here. Obviously, you have the defending World Series champions. There's been lots of news with both the Mets and Phillies in the offseason, as you know, we've touched on the past couple weeks. And even the Marlins are going to make a splash that we haven't been able to touch talk about and the nationals uh with nelson cruz and you know juan soto there's lots of news to cover here so we'll as always talk about the over-unders the betting lines uh what our predictions are who the key players are on each team and what we kind of expect to happen so last year in 2021 the braves who obviously won the world series they did end up winning the division as well by six and a half games over the phillies 11 and a half games over the Mets, 21 and a half games over the Marlins, and 23 and a half games over the Washington Nationals. But let's kick it off. Um, James, let's start with the team that you're very high on, the, the Miami Marlins, with an over-under of 76 and a half wins, and uh, their odds to win the division are at plus 1,400. So this is a really young team. I wouldn't say they are. There are clearly three teams that are really in contention, um, I would say, for the NL East. But you can never count some teams out. Uh, even the Marlins have a decent chance here. They're plus 1,400 to win the division. They have a really young team and a re- great farm system. So they're they're really young. But the big signing that they did, this kind of happened the same day as the Trevor Story signing, was they did sign um, reigning World Series MVP Jorge Soler, to a contract, which is big news for them. Um, but let's jump right into their team, their rotation. Their ace is one and only the 6'5", 25-year-old Sandy Alcantara, who is really one of the young rising stars in the league. Um, he started 33 games last year, which I think is tied with Kevin Gossman for most in all of the MLB. I'd have to double-check that. Had a, just over a three ERA and a whip around one. Um I think he's poised to have another breakout year. You know, he's got some great pitches in his arsenal. He's still a young guy. He's the clear number one pitcher on this team. And I think I think he's got a lot of upside. Um, 
And talking about upside, they're probably their number two this year, although they have have Pablo Lopez, but probably their number two pitcher is 23-year-old Trevor Rogers, who uh, was came in second place for Rookie of the Year last year. He was an all-star last year. He started 25 games, had an ERA at 2.6, and nearly averaged 11 strikeouts in nine innings. Um, and I, I found this stat while I was kind of looking through Trevor Rogers um, and the Marlins' rotation. Among all the pitchers with at least 130 innings pitched in one season since 1961, so since the expansion era, uh, Trevor Rogers is just one of 12 who um, pitched over 130 innings, had a home runs per nine below 0.45. He had 0.41, while also striking out more than 10 batters per nine innings. And the other players on that list are reigning Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, um, and then like Roger Clemens, uh, Nolan Ryan's done, done that a few times. Um, Tim Lincecum comes on there, but some big name pitchers. So, you know, he's, he's, he's a young player with a lot of upside. And I think he's one of the main players to keep your eye on here. James, um, I want to hear your opinion on these two guys. So Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers, obviously are probably the big names in their rotation, but you know, obviously they've got a lot of young guys on their lineup as well. I know Jazz Chisholm is a beast. What do you think about this team and their their ability to compete this year? Yeah, and, you know, you kind of touch on this a bit. I'm a huge Miami Marlins guy for not being a, you know, actual fan or anything. I just think that they have tons and tons of upside. You know, I think they have the potential to build a really, really solid, really good club. Um, here in, in the coming future. I don't think this year is necessarily the year they capitalize. But, you know, you mentioned those first two arms, uh, Sandy and Trevor. I mean, those, they're incredible. I mean, they are up there, one of the better uh, rotations in the league. Uh, and then you factor in their youth. Um, definitely competent pitching. I really like what they bring offensively. You know, it's not necessarily – Look, this isn't the Dodgers or the Rays where you're going to go station by station, all-stars and MVPs and um, anything ridiculous like that. But it is a pretty solid team. You know, they have Miguel Rojas, who's really solid in the field, playing shortstop for them. Um, And he's a pretty solid, you know, average hitter. He's nothing crazy, not exceptional pop, but he can get on base. Um, You have Jazz Chisholm, who, you know, uh, I think the baseball community is just kind of coming around on a super young prospect at second base, but electric, uh, super electric, uh, unlimited amounts of swag, you know, and he's just super fun to watch play. I've caught a couple glimpses of him in their spring training. So hopefully uh, my assumption is that he gets the lion's share of the starts at second and uh, puts together the a real nice campaign. Um, obviously, we touched on Jorge Soler, um, who, you know, really clutch bat, big bat, but can be a little inconsistent. And then Jacob Stallings, who, you know, was on that Pittsburgh team that was a pretty god-awful team. Um, but he's a pretty solid defensive catcher uh, and can put together some qual- quality at-bats. Now, he's slow as all could be. I mean, I actually think you could cartwheel down a first baseline faster. But... You know, that's not necessarily important. He was a gold glove catcher last year, um, so that's going to also help those really young arms. With all that being said, this isn't a team that I think really makes a competitive push here. Um, Now, I will say the last time they were counted out in the expanded playoffs of 2020, they actually made it to the playoffs um, under Don Mattingly. So 
you never know here, but their roster, as exciting as it is looking at the future, uh, and as much as like I'm excited to watch this team play games, they may not win their division, but it definitely sure. I think they're going to be playing quality games that are worth watching. And, you know, I think that's really sometimes all you can ask for. Um, you know, I don't think they really compete in the division, but again, going to be some quality at-bats, hopefully get some people back to the park and kind of build up Miami baseball in the future. Um, now... All that being said, we know earlier in this offseason, Derek Jeter uh, left the club as CEO because of philosophical differences with ownership. So this may be a very different uh, conversation when it's time to sign all these young players to real deals and not arbitration. Right, because, you know, a lot of the, the rumors about why Jeter left was because of the ownership's lack of willingness to spend money. You know, and that's just a rumor. We don't know that for sure. But, you know, Jeter coming from the Yankees where money is plentiful, that might be his interpretation of the way the ownership wants to go. But, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think this team – I mean, I think they can compete this year. Um, I don't think I, – I think if things go right, they can be a reasonable force in the NL East with this really electric pitching staff and some young bats. If they really get it going – you know, they, they could compete, but I agree uh, with kind of the th- two, maybe three juggernauts at the top of this division. It'll be hard for them to make a real impact. But I think as a Marlins fan, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about in the years moving forward. This isn't a team like maybe the Orioles, who I guess still, you can still have some optimism about them, or the, or the Reds or A's, where they're just kind of selling everybody going into full rebuild mode. I think this is a team with players who are in the big leagues now who can really compete at the top level and are young and will, and will probably stick around for a while. Um, I know they missed out on Nick Castellanos, who they wanted to go after. But, um, well, I guess I think Nick Castellanos actually wanted to go there, but they didn't want to pay him or something like that. It seemed like he was poised to go to Miami for a while and then things somehow ended up falling out and we'll get to Nick Castellanos. I know we talked about it in a couple episodes, but obviously he is now in the NL East as well, but this is an, an interesting Marlins team. And I think there'll be a team, like you said, James, to keep our eye on as the, the, as the season gets underway, see how some of these young arms can play if they're able to stay healthy. Yeah. And, and before we move on, there's two things I would say, and this is just because this became official as of a couple of days ago, officially every single prospect that they traded for in both the John Carlos Stanton and Christian Yelich trade, you may recognize those names as two of the best players in baseball. Uh, not a single prospect is on this roster. Um, so that certainly is an L on management trading away to very, very good players and not retaining anything from it. So the hope would be they don't trade Jazz, Chesum, or anything, you know, like that preemptively. And then my other note would just be their um, season over under on wins is 76.5. I'm actually really a fan of, I, I think they hit the over on that. Because 76.5 pits them at a sub-500 team. And while they're going to be playing juggernauts, you know, I think this is a team that can win some games here. You know, I certainly, as I said, they're not winning the NL East. I feel pretty confident on that. You know, it would even be, I think, maybe a long shot to say they make the playoffs, but I think they can win 80 games. I mean, we'll see. It, you know, it's tough to be a 500 team in baseball these days, but, you know, it, it is one of those teams where I, I, I could see a lot of different things happening with them, but we'll just have to keep our eye on that. I'm ready to jump to the next team, which is a team that we've talked about 
you know, kind of throughout this free agency period, specifically uh, maybe two episodes ago. And that's the Philadelphia Phillies. So obviously another NL East team, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are at 85 and a half wins for their over under. Um, And I guess for, for those who maybe aren't quick with math, 81 wins would be 500. So if you're 81 and 81, you're at 500. Um, The Phillies are at plus 380 to win the division. The third best odds in the NL East behind the Braves and Mets. And this is a team that, for the first time in a decade, was able to uh, finish with a winning record last year at 82 and 80. And they've got, I mean, like, I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but they're a pretty, you know, volatile team. I think they can do extremely well and win the division. And I also think they, they could struggle depending on how some of these players play. They have an excellent rotation. Obviously, Zach Wheeler, who finished second in Scion last year, had a league leading 213 and a third innings pitched, an NL leading 247 strikeouts, a whip at 1.008, and 10.5 strikeouts per nine and less than two walks per nine. Just an absolute beast. One of the top five pitchers in all of baseball. He's really going to be... Um, a force to be reckoned with in an in, in an NL East that is pretty pitcher heavy. Um, right behind him, you have Aaron Nola, you know, a really strikeout heavy pitcher, getting over 11 strikeouts per nine innings pitched. He tends to have a higher ERA. Like last year, I think it was in the fours, but he is a great number two option to come on behind Zach Wheeler. He can have some great days. But after that, you know, it falls off a little bit. You have uh, Ranger Suarez, who... Uh, didn't play a lot last year because he's a young guy, but he he did play well in a small sample size of games and Kyle Gibson. So you, you've kind of got some a good rotation behind kind of a top heavy, um, a top heavy rotation. I mean Zach Wheeler is the, one of the best, of the best, um, and Aaron Nola can do well too. And we talked about Brad Hand too. I, I think we talked about Brad Hand, but out of the bullpen they have Brad Brad Hand, Corey Knable. Um, we're pretty good bullpen. Um, but the lineup and before, the bats. Before go you go into the lineup, I just want to jump in at the bullpen because actually both those guys um, were acquisitions over this free agency period. Um, Corey Knable, I got to see him a lot. He was a Dodger reliever. He's got insane movement, just filthy movement, really good. I think he could probably play a setup role if they need. He can also you know, go over the span of a couple innings um, in relief. And the Brad Hand, you know, he's not the sexy closer to write home about. You know, he's not a roleless Chapman or, you know, anything like that. But he's a very consistent, very serviceable around three ERA closer. Um, so, you know, for a Phillies team, for the most part, their biggest weakness has been over the last couple of years has been their bullpen. As they've had pretty, pretty, really good, really good starting pitching. You know, Zach Wheeler. I thought last year he was wire to wire the best pitcher in the National League. Um, I understand why Gosman got his award, um, but Gosman didn't win Cy Young. <laughs> oh, who who was it? Why am I blanking on this? Corbin Byrne. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that that actually makes. I don't know why I had in my head that Gosman uh, won that. I was just sitting here thinking that, but no. I mean Zach Wheeler. Obviously, a dominant arm, but they made some huge strides to try and clean up that bullpen. Um, and now I'll let you get back into the lineup where they made a ton of offseason improvement. Yeah, sure. I can go through the lineup here. So, I mean, like, look, like I said, I think this is a team that can 
Um, if, if all their players are on, they can compete with the best of the teams. But there are some question marks about some of these guys. Obviously, you have, you know, maybe the best right fielder in all of baseball, reigning NL MVP, two-time MVP, Bryce Harper, who's just a beast. Um, I think he might even be one of the more underrated players the past couple of years. He is just he is just incredible. Um, and then there are two offseason acquisitions, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Kyle Schwarber will probably play left, and Nick Castellanos will probably DH, but, you know, who knows what happens. These are two guys who played extremely well last year. The The rest of their careers have been pretty good. I mean, Nick Castellanos has, has been good um, in the years prior, but obviously had a career year last year. And Kyle Schwarber really, really played incredible for the Nationals before he got traded to Boston at the trade deadline. But this is kind of what I mean when I say, like, these guys, you know, if they perform at that level, this team could be really good. But I don't think that's any given by any means. You have one of the top catchers in all of baseball, JT Realmuto, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, Gold Glove. You also have other players like Didi Gregorius, who, uh, like, look, he's he's been struggling for, for years on end. I don't think we can pretend like he's going to have I mean, you never know. He could have a bounce-back year. But I think these four guys are really going to carry this offense. And, and not that that's, you know, a, a, a big load. I mean, these guys are exceptional hitters. It's just a matter of if they can turn it on and, and get hot when it's the right time. You know, the only other name I would also talk – yeah, so I think one other player that I would add to this list would be Riss Hopkins, um, who's their first baseman. He's very serviceable. You know, you can feel – uh, confident in him defensively at first, but also a lot of pop, a lot of power in that bat. Um, certainly, I would say he's an above average uh, first baseman throughout the league. So, I mean, it, it's a formidable team here, but I very much echo your sentiments of I don't think this is a a team built on consistency, kind of the same angle I have on the Yankees. You know, this is a team that may put up 15 runs one game and very well might drop zero runs in the next two games in that series. Uh, but nonetheless, they have put together quite the uh, roster here and trying to really build around Bryce Harper, uh, you know, who, as you mentioned, absolute monster. Uh, you know, I don't know if I can give a best right field because I have obvious bias bias to a one Mr. Marcus Lynn Betts. But... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, Bryce Harper is a monster. What he can do at the plate is just terrifying. Yeah, I think this will be a team that will see a lot on a lot of primetime games because they've got these big names. And, and I always just feel like the Phillies and NL East baseball in general is on Sunday Night Baseball a lot. But I think the Phillies will be a team that will be really fun to watch with Bryce and Nick Castellanos. I mean, these guys are... are are basically superstars in the MLB, big-time sluggers, going to hit a lot of home runs. They're going to be fun to watch. But I, I like what you said about I, – I, I think formidable is a good way to describe this team, right? And I think their odds reflect that as well. You know, plus 350, it's like, okay, you know, they haven't – or plus 380, they have, they have a chance to win the division if things go right. But by no means are they the favorite. But – you know, to be to have the third best odds and have some a lineup like this, I think that kind of shows how good the NL East has the potential to be. I feel like we had this conversation last year about the NL East, like big expectations with the Mets getting Lindor, all these things, and and it didn't play out kind of as we expected. But 
lots of additions to this Phillies team. I think they'll be a team that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and I think just to wrap this up, I agree with where the odds makers have them. And I think really it's a testament to how good the NL East is, or really I think it's more accurate how you put it, how they sh- how good they should be. Um, I think in most divisions, a lineup of this caliber would certainly be either a favorite or at least second best. Um, it is a really good club. It just so happens that they're in a division with two clubs that are up there for arguably amongst the best in baseball, um, just going down the roster on paper. So, you know, kind of a tough spot for the Phillies, but I love to see them dump some money and spend and be like, well, instead of just folding like every everyone else does nowadays, they're like, well, we'll try and we'll see if we can't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to with, with how much they're paying Bryce Harper and that long-term contract they have him under. They want to they get the most out of him while, while they can, while he's clearly in his prime. Um, but yeah, how about we jump to one of those teams that you did say – is at you know one of the top teams in all of baseball a team that has been spending a lot of money this offseason has kind of a ridiculous one-two punch even one-two-three punch in this rotation that is the new york mets who have the second best odds to win the division at plus 155 they have an over under of 90 and a half wins this season and they have one of the most disgusting rotations in all baseball history i mean number one you have jacob Degrom, who is the best pitcher in baseball two-time cy young winner i mean while he was healthy last year he basically had an, an era of one striking out everybody i mean you don't really need to say too much more about him he's just unbelievable and then when your number two option is max scherzer three-time cy young winner mad max just I mean, he's another one of those guys that you don't really need to say anything else. He's Max Scherzer. He's always good. He's always on point. He's just electric. His energy, you can feel it through the TV. I mean, he is just he, – he, I mean, he's just one of my favorite players in all of baseball. And then we talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago in one of the free agents – they acquired Bassett from the Oakland A's, who, you know, he's another guy who was competing for Cy Youngs before he had that tough injury where he, you know, took a line drive to the head. But he's an, a, an, a really, really good third option. And, and I mean, then you go down the line. You've got Carlos Carrasco, who's struggled the last few seasons, and Taewon Walker, who was an all-star last year. So, I mean, this is just... Uh, an absolutely filthy rotation. I mean, DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett are just, DeGrom and Scherzer specifically are just elite, elite. And Bassett and Walker can kind of, you know, it seems like pitch with anybody. This is an insane rotation. And I think, though, that they're going to need this rotation to kind of carry them. I, I don't love their offense. And James, you know, I can let you kind of go through their offense real quick. But I, I have a lot of question marks about this offense. Um, there's, I'll let you get into it, James. But I have a lot of questions. I think this the pitching is going to need to carry them this year. Yeah, and, and I'll unpack that offense in a second. I totally agree with you. And it's been a giant. I mean, it, if you look at what Jake DeGrom's done over the last five years, uh, he basically has around a 500 record, if not a little bit under 500 record, with the best statistics in baseball over a five-year stretch. From a pitcher, I mean, he he has almost negative run support, um, 
you know, they've tried to sign the players. As you mentioned, they brought in Lindor on a ridiculous contract, um, you know, and, and they've, he didn't really perform for them at the level they needed last year. But I agree, this pitching staff, I mean, and already just having to face Jacob DeGrom, um, I mean, he is legitimately consensus the best pitcher in baseball, not even a question. And Scherzer may be right there behind him in the two spots. Certainly they're both top five. Um, I think Walker's also a very underrated pitcher. I mean, for that to be your four four spot man, that's a pretty ridiculous. And, you know, if Carlos uh, can find, you know, the way he used to pitch on the Cleveland Indians, you know, if he can kind of go back to that form and that's their one through five, it's going to be terrifying, but they will need the very best out of those pitching staff um, because of this offense. So let me get into their offense. Um, you've got Pete Alonso at first. Um, most people know him from his rookie of the year campaign in 2019. He smashed 53 home runs. Production was a little bit down since then. Um, he hasn't quite been the home run killer that he was, although he did win another home run derby. Um, so he's won two home run derbies. Um, at this point, if he gets back to being that 50 home run hitter, that's really what the Mets need out of him. Big if, um, then you have, this is an acquisition. I really actually like they've Starling Marte at center field. Um, he batted, uh, last season at 310, um, combination of Miami and Pittsburgh for the season, but he is a one really electric player to watch defensively super fast. You know, he covers just tons of ground. Um, good contact hitter, and when he gets on base, he can cause problems with the speed as well. And then, uh, as I mentioned, Francisco Lindor, obviously, uh, when he played in Cleveland, was one of the best shortstops in the game. Unfortunately, he never really put it together in New York last season. I know he battled some injuries and some slumps, so we'll see if he can get back to uh, his form, but they desperately need him to be the 300 hitter he was. Um, and then, to me, what's most interesting about their team is Robinson Cano, who will probably be DHing for them. You know, he didn't play last year. He was serving his second suspension for PDs, I believe, um, in his career. It's 39 years old. It's a big if, but he's got a ton of power. So um, definitely a massive bat in there. You know, they have a couple other pieces. Eduardo Escobar, you know, pr not really doing too much for you on offense. Very solid at third base. Jack McNeil, um, Brandon Nemo. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a big question mark. We've seen roughly the same offense let this Mets team down in the past. So, Max, kind of where do you think this Mets offense is at, and what do they need to do to ensure that they, they give some run support and win this division? Well, I, I think you hit it well. I think um, what this team needs, and I don't think this is a good need for a team to have, is but you need a lot of players to have a comeback season. Right, You need Alonzo to pick it up. He had an insane rookie year. It seemed like this guy was going to be the next big-time home run hitter. I mean, 53 home runs in your rookie year. But he's had some injury trouble, and he's um, hasn't been as productive in the two years since. And Lindor, I mean, it's it's really tough if they're paying him that much money and he if he doesn't have a, a, you know, a bounce-back year next year, that's going to be a tough contract to stomach. But it's not a problem that you want to have when you need players to have a bounce back year. And there are a lot of question marks. I mean, you talked about Robinson Cano. They owe him $40 million over the next two years. I mean, 
Robinson Cano hasn't been a great player in like a decade. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with this team. A lot of question marks. But like I said, I mean, there aren't any question marks about that pitching staff. If they can stay healthy, they can prevent runs. And so it's it's on the offense to deliver and score runs. I'm really rooting for Lindor. I've always been a Lindor fan. Um, and I think Starling Marte is one of those players, like you said, who can maybe just give a boost to that offense when it's needed and, and drive some runs in. We'll have to see how it goes. But, I mean, the pitching is the main story of this team. When you have DeGrom and Scherzer out there, you're going to expect a lot of them, but you're going to get a lot of, out of them too. You're not going to see a lot of runs being scored. And so, you know, like I said, it's all on that offense to deliver. Um, yep. Go ahead. What's important to me to note is that it's not even deliver in the same sense of the standard I would hold Philadelphia's offense to because they don't need that much run support. Quite frankly, if this offense can consistently average three to four runs a game, they're going to run away with this division. I mean, that really, it's not a crazy lift they need here because of how good this pitching staff is. Like, barring absolute collapses and that the top part of the rotation forgets how to pitch this offseason, which I, I don't have any stock that that will happen, uh, you don't need a lot of run support, really. If they're just a serviceable offense and then you have that pitching, they're going to be one of the best teams. I mean, if you look at all the World Series winners, it's very clear that you got the pitching has to be there, has to be there, uh, and they certainly have it. So it'll be interesting to see kind of, one, if those back, back, bounce-back season happens, but also who kind of steps up. This Mets team, to me, has felt offensively dead for a while. So who's going to be the guy? Um, and as long as they get someone to really be that guy – uh, I think this team could be very, very scary, uh, and I think it's very reasonable to think that the Mets could win the NL East this year uh, and have a very deep playoff run as well. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. Um, let's jump to the reigning World Series champions, who I think are going to win the division, who I think might be the best team in the National League um, behind the Dodgers, but I think it's close. Excuse me. I, this is the Atlanta Braves' best odds to win the division at plus 140. They actually have the same over-under on uh, total wins as the Mets at 90.5. I like the over on that. But, look, I mean, I think this team got better than they were last year when they won the World Series. They obviously lost Freddie Freeman, but they got more than enough back in that Matt Olson trade. Um, and, obviously, they're getting uh, Ronald McDonald back in center field. Uh, one of the most electric players in all of baseball. I think Acuna is going to be great, as he was before his injury. Um, but a lot of returning players. So you have Ozzie Albies at second, uh, Dansby Swanson at short, Austin Riley at third, who had you know an incredible year last year, Matt Olson taking Freddie Freeman's spot. You have Ozuna back off his um, charges that – Caused him to miss a lot of time last year, and he's a big bat. You know, he was on those Cardinal teams, or that Cardinal team that beat the Braves and went to the NLCS before losing to the Nationals in 2019, and he was incredible. And, I, you know, that's a huge, huge bat to have back in your lineup. They also re-signed Eddie Rosario, who was, you know, amazing in that World Series run last year. This is a team that has a lot of, a lot of really good players. 
Uh, you know, they didn't even have Ronald Acuna for the whole world for the whole playoff run last year. And he's one of the top young players in all of baseball. Getting him back, uh, I mean, it, it, it means wonders for that team. This is a lot of good players coming off a World Series champion where they now have all that experience they need. This is a really good team. And then in their rotation, you know, it's not as star-studded as, you know, the Mets or, or some of the other uh, teams in the National League. But Max Fried is an incredible pitcher. I, I have him as a sleeper Cy Young pick. I think if he wants to really take that next step, and be one of the best pitchers in baseball. This would be a year to do it and really, you know, prove himself not only in this division that's star-studded, but in baseball and kind of win that National League Cy Young. He's a two-time Gold Glover winner. He also won a Silver Slugger, which I guess he won't win again this year. Um, but behind him, they have Ian Anderson, who's a great young pitcher, has had a great couple years, and Charlie Morton, um, who has been fantastic in the past, but he's coming off an injury that sidelined him for a lot of last year. But great rotation, great lineup. And James, I mean, they robbed your guy, Kenley Jansen, out of that bullpen, kind of loading up that closer spot. This is, an, this is a great team. This is a great team. Um, you know, I think they have a great chance to go back-to-back, which is an extremely, extremely hard thing to do in baseball. But, you know, I don't think this team lost anything this offseason, despite losing Freddie Freeman and Jorge Soler. I think they got more than enough back from Acuna, uh, Matt Olson, and some of the other players they signed. James, how do you feel about the reigning World Series champions going into 2022? Yeah, you know, I love that that read. I, It's hard to imagine that you can take a team that could win a World Series. They're one year before that World Series, their MVP player from that season, who was instrumental and winning that World Series, they do not win that World Series without Freddie Freeman, leaves, and the team got better, objectively. That's what you say, that's what I say. I think anyone related to baseball is saying, wow, the Atlanta Braves genuinely got better this offseason, which is terrifying. Um, you know, it can't be lost on anyone, Acuna coming back. He's a menace, you know, in my estimations. He would be the second best young player in the league behind Juan Soto. Um and that is not a bad place to be at. I mean, Acuna is a menace. You look at the bottom three hitters on the lineup: Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Dansby Swanson. That's a pretty good one, two, three right there. Right. I mean, that, that would honestly be the top end of majority of MLB teams' lineups. Um, I mean, it's a terrifying team. I... I would go as far as, and, you know, maybe this is some almost reverse bias... I think their lineup stacks up just as well with the Dodgers lineup. I think it is pound for pound, one for one, just as good. Um, I think the Dodgers maybe have a little bit of an edge on pitching. Um, And, of course, you talked about Kenley Jansen going to the Braves, ripped my heart out. Um, But I was happy to see he, I guess, was a Braves fan as a kid. There was a a player from Curacao who was on the team and then also Ozzy Albies from Curacao on the team. So they're – little reunion there um you know they're paying him a pretty penny 16 million for one year to close but he's a great high leverage guy so uh you definitely don't want to get to the ninth against somebody at this team i mean they won a world series and they got better right there's not there honestly i don't think there's too much to unpack there you know i think they're obviously the front runners for the division um 
and I think they win it as well. Um, you know, we'll see. There certainly are some other angles that are competitive, but like this in, this lineup is good enough to be able to withstand injuries, be able to just keep going, next man up. You know, Austin Riley, just some of the like Austin Riley's insanely underrated. He's so good. Uh, hit two home runs yesterday during spring training. So I think you know this is this Atlanta team for the last five years has been you know up there, one of the best clubs in the NL. I think they're going to continue that pace. Uh, it's certainly a team that I do not want to match up with uh, in the playoffs as a Dodgers fan because we've we've seen how that went uh, last year. And but it went your way the year before though. It did. It did. Now they scared me a little bit of a three-one situation, but uh, they pulled it out. But very good team. Um, once again, I think that they, they're kind of running the NL East, but I don't think the Mets are that far behind, and I don't think the Phillies are that far behind. So some things could go right. Um, definitely going to be some volatility in this. Yeah, and then I, one thing I want to note is both the Braves and the Mets are plus 500 to win the National League. Um, and those are that's tied for the second-best odds behind the Dodgers at plus 240. But, you know, one thing I do, I really want to see another Dodgers-Braves rematch. I mean, we've seen it the past couple of years, and now with Freddie in L.A., I mean, that would just be electric if we could see Freddie return in, in Dodger blue to to Atlanta for a Game 7 or, or for a playoff series. That would be, that would be something. Freddie Game 7 walk-off in Atlanta? Come on, you can't write this better. you got to make it happen. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, no, it's a seriously great team. Um, I think the biggest question mark to me of the team would be, you talk about Charlie Morton coming off the injury. That's a good one. To me, it's Ian Anderson. He's really quality, but there are times where every once in a while he'll just toss in a start that looks like he cannot pitch. Um, he did it in the playoffs two years ago versus the Dodgers, gave up 11 runs in the first inning. Awesome. It was absolutely awesome. But so – as long as he can stay locked in and pitch at his potential level, the Max Fried and him, that's a pretty serious one-two punch um, not to be looked down down at. So I think the Braves, I mean, this line, it's terrifying. I mean, Matt Olson, I don't, I don't think because of the Oakland Athletics don't really get enough viewership, I don't think people understand how good Matt Olson is. Matt Olson right. is incredibly good. Quite frankly, I actually think he's better than Freddie Freeman given their age and the trajectory you know, and that Freddie's getting older, obviously some of the skills start to diminish. Matt Olson is in the absolute prime of his career. Uh, and I think for him, it's going to be so refreshing to be now not only like, oh, you're not fighting to try and make a wild card. Like you're fighting to really hold the line, win the division again and go back to a World Series. So some exciting out. And let's get to the last team. Um, as we did with the AL East, they have the worst odds to win the NL East at plus 4,500. That is the 2019 World Series champion, the Washington Nationals. I, this is, you know, a different team than the Orioles that we talked about in our last episode. Um, I think this team has a lot more upside in the in the right now. You know what I mean? Um they're getting Steven Strasburg back at some point in the season. I've heard it's uncertain about his opening day status, but he's expected to be a key part of this rotation. And obviously, when he's on, he can be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He was a World Series MVP in 2019. He can bring a lot to the table. Um, 
And behind Patrick Corbin, who who's uh, you know shown himself to be a formidable pitcher, especially in that World Series year. Um, and then just some big names on the, in this lineup. Uh, you know they don't have a ton of star power, but Juan Soto is you know the best young player in all of baseball. He's a beast. But there's a lot of question marks because his agent Scott Boris, who's everywhere in baseball now made it very clear that Juan Soto would not sign a long-term extension with this team if it wasn't clear that they were going to compete, which, you know, is an interesting dynamic that's going to be at play. But, you know, Juan Soto is going to be a national this year. And, I mean, I expect big things from him once again. He's still a super young guy. He's at the top of baseball. I expect him to stay there shuffling at the plate, doing some amazing things. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they did sign Nelson Cruz, who's, I think, 42 years old at this point. But, I mean, he's still slugging. He still had some great years uh, in Minnesota a couple years ago and then the latter half of the season last year in Tampa Bay. He's a player that can bring a lot to the plate. Uh, they have Josh Bell at first. They have Cesar Hernandez. They, they've got a lot of good a lot of good players on this team, but I just don't think it's enough to compete in a division with four other, really three great teams, but four formidable opponents. Uh, James, how do you feel about this team? Like, I mean, do you think they, what do you think uh, as a Nationals fan should expect from this team this year? Yeah, I mean, I think a huge point, I like that you said this is not the Orioles, this is not the Reds. I mean, it's still going to be baseball worth watching. At the end of the day, Juan Soto in himself is worth watching a 980 baseball game to watch hit four times, three or four times. Um, there are some pieces. They're going to win some games. You know, this isn't a team that's going to get blown out all the time. Um, decent pitching. Another pitcher I'm excited to see, Josiah Gray, super highly touted uh, prospect from the Dodgers farm system. Obviously, he was part of the blockbuster trade from Hex Scherzer last year. Um I imagine that he's finally going to get to actually get some meaningful time, maybe three or four spot in the rotation. Um, I've got to see him pitch in LA only a couple times. I think he's got incredible stuff. I genuinely, I think Josiah Gray wins a Cy Young at some point. Um, so I think that he's going to start that um, and he'll be electric to watch. Another guy that came, the other guy in that trade package was Kiebert Ruiz, who's just got a ton of pop in his bat. He's a really athletic catcher. Um, I'm hoping that he gets the nod and gets to get uh, some meaningful games as well there for the Nationals. So they might have some names pop up that can make this team produce uh, a little bit better. But it's still like I think Juan Soto could bat 400. He could have 150 RBIs and like this <laughs> Nationals team still is not going to get to the playoffs. Like it's just a product of like you can't ca look at Mike Trout. Like Mike Trout is bar none the best baseball player and MLB just hasn't been to the playoffs in seven years. So, it, you know, it's it's not enough to really say, okay, these guys are going to go out and win the division. I'm actually excited to see what they get. I, I think that Nelson Cruz becomes a trade at the deadline to a contender. Um, so we'll see what they can get back there for the future. Um, but it's still baseball worth watching. You know, go out, D.C. fans, get to the opening day at Nats Park, you know, have some fun. Um Better days ahead, but certainly this isn't going to be the most grueling season you've been through. And side note, very exciting news on the Nationals front. We talked about Mr. National retiring. Uh, the Nationals are retiring uh, Zimmerman, this uh, Ryan Zimmerman's number this season. So that's another thing to look forward to if you're a Nats fan. Uh, 
without a doubt the most important guy in that franchise franchise a short life in dc yeah i mean he was the first draft pick by that team ever um culminating in a world series title two years ago but you know i i I agree with what you said um i think this is a team even though they have the worst odds to to win the division they are a team that's going to be fun to watch when they're on tv i mean if you got strasburg on the man the mound and and juan soto in the lineup it's a team that's going to be really fun to watch so they're not like a team like the Reds or the Pirates or the A's or these teams who are really in sell sell now mode. This is a team that's, you know, probably, probably not going to compete in the division. You never know, but probably not. Um, but, but they're going to be really fun to watch. And so I think front to back, this is a really exciting division. Um, and it, it'll be really fun to watch this division play out. Um, yeah. And yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, before we get into the whole macro view what I would say a similarity I see of this Nationals team is actually where the Phillies were about two, three seasons ago, or right when they signed Bryce Harper, where you're like, okay, they're probably not good enough to win, but they're setting the foundation where if you make a couple free agent moves now, next season, the year after, they very well could find themselves with a formidable offense and top two odds to win the division. So hope should not be completely lost. So, James, I mean, what do you think? So the, so if we go in order of odds, Braves 140, Mets plus 155, Phillies plus 380, Marlins plus 1400, Nationals plus 4500, is that the order you see this division going in? Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals? Or what are you thinking? That's hard. I, I think initially I do like that order, but – it's hard for me to say the odds makers are going to nail this and go five for five. I just can't really see where the movement is. I can maybe see the Nationals doing better than the Marlins, but I'm big on the Marlins, so I can't drop them in that five spot. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard with the Mets because I, you don't know at all what you're getting with that offense. The Mets could, you know, if some things go wrong, they could miss the playoffs entirely. You know, if you lose one of those starting pitchers and the offense isn't there again. I just don't see any way where the Braves don't win this division. I think they're just too good. They're too deep, um, you know, and they're at the height of, like, win now. So if someone gets injured, you know, if, like, a starting pitcher gets injured, they're going to fix that with a trade. Um, Whereas, you know, the Marlins, the Nationals, there's no – there's nothing to fix. There's no point in making a big splash at the deadline. Um, so I, I just I can't I can't find it in my heart. I want to pick the Mets to win the division, you know, and give that crazy pitching staff the benefit of the doubt. I can't do it. So I'm gonna have to lock in with what the uh, odds maker said. So my, my one through five is Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I'm actually in in agreement. Um, I think with this division, the thing that's important here is I think there are clear distinctions. Um, and clear drop-offs between teams. Obviously, there's Braves, Mets, Phillies, then a drop-off, and you have Marlins, and then maybe another drop-off to the Nationals. But the, the two main teams in the division are Atlanta and New York, and so it's a question of who do you like more. Uh, and, and I definitely like the Braves more than the Mets, so I'm going to give them the edge there. And I just feel like with the Mets pitching staff, I give them the nod over a Phillies team that's coming together, doesn't have as great of a pitching staff, even though they still have Zach Wheeler. It's it's hard to have as good of a pitching staff as the Mets. And then 
you know, it's tough to put the Marlins or Nationals above the Phillies. So the Phillies kind of slide right into that three spot. And then between the Marlins and the Nash and the Nationals, if you look at the odds, not that that's what I'm basing my prediction on, but I do feel like it's rather accurate. You have the Marlins at plus 1,400 and then a drop-off to the Nationals at plus 4,500. The Marlins are just a better team. I think they're just a better team. They're a more complete team front top to bottom where I think the Nationals have, you know, some star power with Strasburg and Soto and, you know, maybe even Nelson Cruz. But just top to bottom, they're not as consistent. And they're going to have some tough days when, you know, you get to the four and five spot of that rotation. So, you know, I do like the order that it's in. I like Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. But I could definitely see it being like Nationals, Mets, Braves, or not Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Braves, Nationals, Marlins, or something like that, you know. I could see it being totally shaken up. But I like those. I like that order. I think we're in agreement there. We both have, so far, you have, who do you have winning? The, you have the Blue Jays winning the AL East, Correct. right? And I have the, I think I said the Red Sox. Yes. Um, and then we're both in agreement here, Braves. But with the expanded playoff, I mean, Remember, you have th- uh, so what is it now? It's a twelve-team playoff, so you have three wild card teams. So three te- three teams that didn't win their division are going to get in. I think you'll definitely see one, maybe two from this division. Uh, just kind of previewing the NL Central, I think you'll get a wild card team. Either the Cardinals or Brewers. One of them will win, and one will get. Well, the other will get in. And then the NL West is crazy. You know, you have the Dodgers, Padres, Giants. Who knows there? So it might be more of a dogfight than I initially thought when I said that, but I expect two teams to get in here. I think it'd be, you know, kind of shocking if the Braves and Mets both weren't in the postseason come October. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not sure I can pick the two teams. I definitely think two teams come out of this. And, like, just to show how close this division is, you know, as we both kind of said, it's hard to pick against the Braves. It's hard to say the Mets are going to finish in third. But I would not be surprised if we're coming end of the season recap to say the Phillies won the division. That would not surprise me if they can get that roster to click, you know, and that uh, rotation takes over. Wouldn't shock me for the Phillies to win it. Wouldn't shock me for the Mets to win it. And obviously, I wouldn't be shocked if my prediction of the Braves came true. So really, it's going to be a tight division. And I think what it comes down to is in my opinion, the third team, the third team in the standings of the NL East versus the third team in the standings in the NL West is going to determine the final wild card. That's what I think it comes down to. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, if, but so, so you're going to get three wild cards in. So, are, are you saying? Um, so you're saying. Well, so 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 how are how are you breaking it down? Well, so in terms of who, I agree yeah, with your read. I think that we get both the Brewers and the Cardinals. The order I couldn't tell you, but I think just how it plays out, you're going to get a wild card out of the Central, and then well, so I think you definitely get a wild card out of the Central. You definitely get a wild card out of the East. So then the real question becomes: So there's one there, spot left. Yeah, so it's is it that third team in the NL East who can take it, or is it going to be that second team in the NL West that is going to take that wild card? That's a question, and you know, 
Right now, I think it might be the third team in the East. I'm not big on the NL West this year. I mean, I, I think the Dodgers are going to win the division by 20 games. I don't like the Padres, to be honest. Like, and and I, you know, we don't need to get ahead of ourselves here. But like, I, Fernando Tatis is out. I think this team's overhyped. Blah blah blah. We'll get into it. The, the NL West conversation will be a, will be a big one. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, quite frankly, if you let me before seeing any baseball this season, because I don't count spring training as real baseball, I would rather see three teams from the NL East go. I would just I want to see the this Phillies, Mets and Braves teams all in the playoffs. I really do. I think it would be electric. Um, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to get there, but. There's some really quality clubs in this NL East. I think that watching the dogfight at the end, because I don't think, I agree with you, Reed. I think the NL West is going to be a runaway freight train led by Freddie Freeman and the boys. But I think this is going to be a dogfight. I mean, I'm talking about game 155 on, you know, locked in for those last seven or so games to uh, get it done and see who wins this division and who claims wild cards. I think all three teams are going to be in a hot, race all the way wire to wire through the season yeah this is going to be a good one a good one to pay attention to obviously as the season begins but james i mean look this this episode's almost at an hour um i thought it was a good one how about we go ahead and wrap this up for yeah i have closing question that i asked in the last one which would be you get one player to watch who's your player to watch in the There are a lot of good. There are a lot of good options in this. Oh gosh, I, I'm actually tied for two. I had an immediate answer, but I think I'm gonna change it. My player to watch that I'm really, really interested to see how they do is Ronald Acuna. Um, my initial thought was Juan Soto, just because I mean, how could you not love to watch Juan Soto? But Ronald Acuna's got a lot of question marks coming into the season. I feel like before last year. You know, he was kind of on track to to be one of those superstars in the league, which he might have already been, but he kind of missed that chance to take his next step last year. And there were a lot of question marks around him in 2019, 2020, um, about his maturity level when he would, you know, hit what he thought would home run, what what he thought were home runs, but not run it out, and then it ends up getting caught, and the coaches yell at him, and he's benched. So there were questions about his um, his maturity in that sense. And so I'm really interested to see how he comes off this injury, how he um, gets back into the lineup with this team that won the World Series last year. Because I think if he can play at the level that we think he's capable of, you know, nothing can really stop this team. But I think there is a question mark around him. So, I, you know, I can't wait to watch him just because of how electric he is and also the, the, the questions I have surrounding how well he'll be able to play. Yeah, no, I think that that's going to be a huge factor. With Freddie Freeman gone, they definitely need Acuna's star power and need him to be one of the best players in the National League. I mean, the lineup is padded, but they still need that guy. Um, So definitely worth watching there. I'll tell you, this division, in my opinion, this is the hardest division to ask that question. I've got a little cheat sheet of about 10 names right now I can pick off of. So locking into one is going to be impossible. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to follow suit and I will give an honorable mention after I give my pick. Um, but to me, the pick is a no brainer because this player 
single-handedly, in my opinion, decides the outcome of this division. It's Francisco Lindor. If Francisco Lindor plays how he did in Cleveland, Mets win the division. That that I'm willing to go right out there. I think the Mets do not. If he's a 300 hitter and he has around 100 ribbies, you know, around 25, 30 home runs, I don't see a way. And step starting rotation stays healthy. I don't see how they don't win the division. So to me, all eyes are on him. He's got a mega, mega deal, and it's all about. Are you going to live up to it? Okay, you had one year. Things were a little bit off. What's going on here? No more time for that. You're used to it. The payroll is there. I mean, Steve Cohen is pulling out all the stops to make this Mets team great. Shoulders are kind of on him. You are the guy in a giant market. Go get it done and make the Mets the new face of New York baseball. Um, You know, my honorable mention has to go to Trevor Rogers on the Marlins because if he has a similar type season to last year, I think we have clearly discovered one of the up-and-coming great pitchers who will be in the league for decades, talking Cy Youngs, potential MVPs. So I just think eyes have to be there because, you know, if he materializes, that really will be okay. This guy is seriously one of the aces that will carry this league uh, for many years. Yeah, I think those are those are two good players that we definitely need to keep our eye on. Um, but the, the, you know, there, there are a lot of great players in this division. I think, regardless of how good the teams are, top to bottom, you've got some superstars, and I think that's one of the reasons that this division is so appealing. Um, but we'll have to see. You know, we're two weeks out from opening day. Very excited for it. Um, we will be back in just uh, a couple more days. What do we have on tap for Sundays? I think it's the AL West or is it AL uh, Central. AL Central. We are heading Central, uh, American League Central on Sunday. Um, so stay on the lookout for that. Um, as with all the other episodes, please tweet at us who you think is going to win this division, your players to watch, kind of what you're thinking. Rounding third now, 3RD. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm stoked to watch the NL East. Like, just honestly, to watch this division play out, just watch these teams play. Like I said, I'm, I am all in on the Marlins being just an electricity factory. So I can't wait to just catch some of these games. It's going to be an awesome division. Uh, And really, in my opinion, this is one of the better divisions of owners doing it right, which I think has been a huge hot button topic. But you have five owners who really are all trying to win, at least. You know, they may not have the best rosters, but like you can't look at any team in this division and say they've, they've given in the towel. I mean, they clearly are all trying to win. And for baseball, that's great. That's what we need. Definitely. We'll catch you guys on Sunday. Uh, we're getting close. We're getting close. James, it was, it was another good episode. It was a pleasure talking. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everyone.